So we've been continuing a series on distracted, distracted. Have y'all been fighting distraction this last month? It always, it always hits me if I'm preaching on it. Maybe I'm just more aware of it. Uh, but I want to, I want to continue that sermon series today. Um, I will say that I, I have, I have, and I'm continuing to forgive Pastor Caleb for stealing my sermon last week uh, that I had wrote. Remember, I told you I wrote a sermon, right? And the Lord changed it five o'clock that night and it was on Jonah right and so I'm watching on live stream and I'm like that's my stuff I wrote that I'm done with my sermon now I gotta write another sermon you know I thought I was gonna come back and I had to but that's not it but it's all good I love him I, I forgive him I told him that already turn with me to Matthew chapter 14 we're talking about distraction and the fight for faith the fight for focus this story you guys know all too well, I'm sure. Peter walking out of the boat on some waves and the faith that it takes. He says in verse 22, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Notice it says, immediately he made the disciples get in the boat. This is while he dismissed the crowds and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat, by this time, was a long way from the land. Beaten by the waves, the wind was against them. And the, the Greek says the waves were torturing them. So it must have been a pretty rough sea storm. And in the fourth watch of the night, which is midnight, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea... They were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Father in heaven, although there's so many things in our life, God, that beg, beg, beg for distraction, God, but nothing deserves our attention but you. I pray, Lord, you would help us to hone in, got our focus on you, and to keep our focus on you. Speak to our heart today. Convict us, God, where we need convicting. Encourage us, God, where we need encouraging. But most important, Lord, let us leave today understanding how important it is to make you the center and the focus of our faith. Keep us from distractions. Allow us, God, to set our eyes on you. We ask it in Jesus' name. All God's people said... So imagine it's a stormy sea, right? It is, it's, it's violently, the, the waves are throwing you backwards and forwards. And it's not only just a crazy night, you're there with your friends in the boat, but it's a dark night. It's a very difficult night. I don't know about you, if you've ever been on a cruise liner before when all the lights are out and you're in the middle of the ocean, it's dark. Like, it's black. Or how many of y'all have been uh, spelunking, been down in the cave, and they turn the lights off, and your heart just goes, 
I don't know about, I'm claustrophobic. I don't like being in spaces like that. And when I can't see my hand this far in front of me, I have a problem with that. And I'm sure the disciples were terrified because they saw a ghost, right? It wasn't just a scene, a storm, but somewhere along the way, you see somebody like that walking on the waves. Y'all, I'm tripping. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, 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 I'm up in somebody's lap. Like, like if me and Seth, Seth, you go find out who that is, you know? And then, and, then, and then Peter says, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. And he starts walking, and he sees that it's someone he somewhat knows, and it's Jesus it looks like, but he takes his eyes off of him and puts his eyes on the wave, and he finds no longer faith, but fear has gripped Peter. Have you ever had a storyline like that in your life? Where you ask God the bodacious things, the audacious things in life, and when you finally got close to doing things or, or walking in a way that he's never uh, showed himself before in that measure, and then when you finally need the, the, um, uh, the desire or the, the, uh, the discipline to continue to keep your eyes on him, you fail to do that. This morning, I want to give you one point, and that is it. Because I want you to go home remembering this one thing. And the one point I want you to know this morning is simply this. Whatever has your focus has your faith. Whatever has your focus, it has your faith. As we look at the story of Peter, we're going to look at four different um, venues of this story. One is the invitation that Jesus has him to come. Then there's the revelation of Jesus when he gets close to him. Then there's the situation with Jesus when he takes his eyes off of him. But finally, there's the salvation that Jesus offers at the very end. So let's start with the invitation. Jesus says, come. Now, I want you to think about that for a second because it's not just any, oh, yeah, come on out here. The water's fine. Jesus is saying, come. It's an imperative verb. It's a mandate. When the Lord said in the Old Testament, thou shalt not, it was an imperative verb. These are the things you're supposed to do. And so Jesus has told Peter, do what I've commanded you to do, and I'll do the rest. I'm asking you to do something that's illogical and impossible, but I'm the God of illogical and impossible. Do you see where I'm standing? I'm in the middle of the sea. And so if Jesus' words has Peter's focus, then what better place is there to be uh, concerning Peter's faith? And so this morning, what I want you to see before we continue on down our path is that Jesus' word is powerful. We can see that in the Old Testament when his word, in fact, let me just say this, the same voice that said come was the same voice that said let there be, and there was. When he said, let there be, he said, let there be light, let there be sun, let there be moon, let there be stars. Let those things that did not exist now bring light and revelation to where there was no light and revelation before. If his words have our focus, church, then let his word bring light to every void and dark place of our faith. That is the word that says, come to you this morning. 
It says in Genesis again, let there be an expanse, let the waters be gathered, let the dry land appear. If his words have our focus, then let his words bring order in the midst of the chaos of our faith. Let the earth sprout, let the waters swarm, let birds fly, let the earth bring forth living creatures. If his words have our focus, then let his word bring forth life in sometimes what feels like faithless or lifeless faith. The Lord can do that. Let us make man in our own image. If his word has our focus, then let his word determine the worth, the purpose, and the identity of our faith. For we are made in his likeness. Not just in the Genesis account, but also in Abraham. When Jesus, uh, when the Lord actually had the Abraham's focus on his word. Here's what the word said concerning Abraham. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Northward and southward and eastward and westward. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. If his word has our focus, church, then let his word turn the obedience of our walk into the promises of our faith, is what Abraham's life shows us. But if his word has our focus, even if, even if he addresses you, as he did concerning Balaam the prophet, he says this, Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? If his word has our focus, then even when we have moments of stubbornness, he's able to speak donkey to people who are too stubborn. Have you ever been spoken donkey to? Does anybody speak Donkinese this morning? Are you married to someone who's a bit stubborn? Have you learned to speak donkey? Because to be honest with you, I don't know about you, but I've had the Lord many times come down to me real softly and say, hee-haw. <laughs> don't act like I'm the only one in here. Hee-haw, hee-haw, hee-haw. Yeah, but Lord, you better hee-haw. I wish he could just say it to me plain and say it to me straight. But sometimes we need the Lord to speak to us. If his word has our focus, then even in your times of stubbornness, the Lord knows how to speak to you. He doesn't abandon your faith altogether. He knows how to go out there and bring you back in. Balaam the prophet wasn't someone who completely abandoned the, the word of God. It was just in a moment of stubbornness, what he did not want to do. He wanted to do this. The Lord said, don't do that. The Lord had to come down and use a donkey and thank God that the Lord can find anything to speak to our stubbornness. But he must know and we must make sure that, our, that his word has our focus. Because if his word has our focus, his word has our faith. Can I also remind you of his power in the New Testament? When Lazarus was dead, his word said, Lazarus, come out. When the disciples were caught in a giant wind, his word said, peace be still. And when the paralytic was lowered by his friends through the roof, his word said, rise up and pick your bed up and go home. And he rose and he went home. When his word encountered a legion of demons, his word said, come out of him, you unclean spirit. And when they asked him if, his, if he was Jesus of Nazareth, he said, I am. And they drew back and fell to the ground. All hundred or plus of the, of the legion that came after him. His word also says if you put your focus in the I am, you'll have to walk through the door. Um, you'll have the faith to walk through the door. 
If you put your focus in the I am, you'll have faith to listen to the good shepherd, for I am the good shepherd. If you put your focus in the I am, you'll have faith for the resurrection. You'll have faith to know the truth. You'll have faith to see the way. You'll have faith for the life. And you'll have faith for the vine that produces what you cannot produce on your own. If you have focus on his word, you'll have faith in his word. So don't get distracted this morning looking at lesser things, church, because it's so easy to look at those lesser things. But remember, whatever has your focus has your faith. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Someone say, don't lose focus. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't lose focus. Turn to your next neighbor and say, hee-haw, hee-haw, hee-haw. Because <laughs> you know one and two probably... Uh, the second thing Peter's focus shifted to was from the invitation to step out and to do the impossible. Now he moves into the revelation of Jesus. Verse 29 says he came to Jesus. Peter stepped out of the boat, his faith in his word, but his word eventually led Peter to the revelation of Jesus. Can I tell you, that's what his word does. That the closer you get to his word, the closer you get to him. If you want to know the witness of Christ, who he is, you have to know the word of Christ. You'll never know who Jesus is if you don't know what his word says. It's inseparably impossible. You've got to know his word if you want to know who he is. The scriptures say, Concerning his revelation of himself concerning his word or through his word that John 5, 39 through 40 says, and, is, and it is they that bear witnesses about me concerning the scriptures. Luke 24, 27 says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The word is about Christ. And John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, and the Word became flesh, verse 14, and it was full of grace and truth. We have seen this glory. All of the Word is all about Christ. If you don't know who Christ is, if you don't know you can trust Him, if you don't know if you can follow on that path or step on the next wave, it's because you've not been in His Word. For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the, the Word of God this morning. In fact, if we look out through all of the miracles that Jesus ever performed, what we find is this, that it was by the word of his power that he performed miracles. But he only performed miracles to demonstrate to people the witness of who he was. The miracles were there so that way you would know and I would know he says who he says he is. But sometimes the Lord says things to us that are not easy. They're difficult things to do, right? Sometimes you read in Scripture and you don't want to do those things like bless those who curse you. That's a difficult thing to do. To love your enemies, that's a difficult thing to do. To turn your cheek, that's a difficult thing to do. Matthew 18 says when someone says something bad about you or has sinned against you, it's not their responsibility to come talk to you. It's your responsibility to come talk to them. That's a difficult thing to do. Because in my spirit, I feel like this. If they wronged me, they should come talk to me. But that's not what the word tells us to do. And the word is difficult at some times. Have you ever been in a place and the Lord has given you a word 
and you said, Lord, I don't, know, I don't know about that. I don't know about that, Lord. That's a difficult thing. Do you know what? That was the same thing the disciples experienced. In John chapter 6, we read down through there, and Jesus is talking, and the 70 are there, and he says simply this. He says, if you want life, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Can I tell you, it's easy for us to read that word right now because we know Jesus is not asking us to be cannibals, right? You know, to eat him. But at that moment, they had no idea. And they're thinking, you want us to do what, you know? And so Jesus has asked them to do a difficult thing. Those words were hard for them to hear. John 6.60 says that. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Have you ever had the Lord tell you to do something hard, do something difficult? Somehow it was in line with the word. It was just in line with your faith. It didn't make sense to you. It was illogical, like, like, like stepping out there on a, on a wave. And Jesus says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. I want you to learn something here, which is most important. We miss so much when we try to skip past the difficult things. Let me say this slowly. It's easy to get distracted by the difficulty of his word when we don't understand the demonstration of his witness. It's easy to get distracted by the difficulty, the complexities of his word when we don't understand the demonstration of his witness. What are you saying, Pastor Scott? I'm saying that the things in life that the Lord wants to use us to demonstrate to the world how great he is, those are the things that are typically the most difficult for us to follow concerning his word. And so you might be in a hard place right now. You might be in a hard situation right now. And somehow, you like the Lord says, you know what? You're going to stay there for a little bit. You're going to stay in that storm. You're going to tread that water a little bit. But that's okay. I want you there. I've put you there. Remember, it was Jesus who put them in the boat immediately and sent them on their way into a hard windstorm, into a difficult windstorm. It was Jesus who put them there before a reason. And I would tell you, that you're in the same situation with whatever you're going through in life. If the Lord has given you a difficult word to follow, you're there for a reason. You're there because the Lord wants to use that situation or that moment to either grow you or to demonstrate his witness outside of you. He's done it before. He'll do it again. He did it with Abraham, right? He said to Abraham, Abraham experienced the difficulty of his word when the Lord said, leave your family and go to a faraway land. That was a difficult word. He says, go and sacrifice your son, Isaac. That was a difficult word, right? But what we see is this, is that Abraham obeyed, and because he obeyed, God's witness was made known through him by establishing a nation and also having descendants that we can't count. That was Abraham's experience. Moses experienced the difficulty of his word. When God told him, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I would say, Lord, you go tell Pharaoh to let your people go, and I will guide them as they leave on the other side of the Red Sea. But the Lord don't. 
I don't think the Lord's really interested in the easy things. I don't think, I don't think those things matter to him. I, I, I honestly don't believe the Lord is into easy stuff. Because if the difficulty of his word correlates to the demonstration of his witness, then that means if it's not a difficult word, there's no real demonstration of his witness. And you and I exist for the glory and the worship and the purposes of God. And so why would God need us if he wasn't interested in declaring his glory to the world? That's why he puts us in hard situations. Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what is the difficulty of his word? But Nebuchadnezzar says, I want you to bow down to my God. But they know that the second commandment says we're not supposed to create carved images nor bow down to them. And so they have to tell Nebuchadnezzar, we can't do that. We can't do that. That was a difficult word to follow. But how many of you know that God's witness was made known? Because after they brought them out of the fire and there was no smoke on their body, what did the king Nebuchadnezzar say? He says, let, let, the whole, let the whole world know that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he is God and God alone. Can, can I just ask you for a second? What is the word he's given you? What is the word he's told you? What is that difficult thing? And it may be a thing that you can't justify. You can't make sense. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe it's a relational thing. But the Lord has told you to do it. And you know what you've done? Same thing I do. Man, he didn't say that. I'm just going to ignore that. That probably wasn't the Lord. That probably wasn't the Lord. But you and I, we both know that Satan ain't asking us to do those things. It was the Lord. And the reason why you know it's the Lord is because you're good at justifying why it wasn't him. Because you and I work so good at justifying. We're the best. When that word comes into our heart and the Lord says, I need you to do this. I need you to step out of the boat. And you say, Lord, when you made this world, you did not create the density of matter in the water to be able to sustain my weight. You didn't give me duck feet or, 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 or wings to fly. None of those things that you did did not help me to walk across the water because we're so good at justifying. So maybe I asked the question wrong. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't have said what things in your life uh, are difficult. Maybe I should ask you, what things do you find yourself constantly justifying as why you should not do those? Because that's where the key is. Because the Lord wants to demonstrate his witness, but he's not going to do it in something that's not difficult because he wants great complexity so he can get great glory. Peter experienced the same difficulty of his word as well. When he said, come, and Peter stepped out of the boat and he was making his way to the master until he shifted his focus. And whatever has our focus has our faith. And so we move into the situation with Jesus. Because it says that when he saw the wind, isn't that funny? He saw the wind. He's got Jesus in front of him. He's real. 
I've never seen the wind in my entire life. I may have seen the effects of the wind, but, but I've never seen the wind. And I find it funny that here he has both of these things juxtaposed against each other. You have the effects of Jesus, which is the walking on the waves. And you have the effects of the wind, which you can't see the wind, but you see the effects of the wind. And for some reason, somehow, Peter in his mind says, though I can see Jesus and I can see his effects, but I cannot see the wind, and I see its effects, I'm going to put my focus on my faith here. Why is that so? You say, Pastor Scott, I don't see Jesus. You don't see Jesus in the Word? Remember, I told you, if you want to see Jesus, you look at His Word. His Word is His witness. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know the Word. If you need to know who He is and what He's about and why He can, then read His Word. And so we have Jesus right there in front of us. All right, you come to church you hear the word of God, you read, you pray, the, Jesus is in front of you. What you're not real sure is that if he'll be consistent with his effects towards you. What you're not real sure is that if you get out there too far from the boat, I don't know if he'll save me once I let go. And so we venture out just enough so that way if we do get lost, we might have some hope to swim back to the boat. But Jesus said to him, why do you doubt? The word, why do you doubt? The word doubt means distazo. It means to arrange or to order twice. So what he was saying was this is, Peter, why are you arranging your thoughts and ordering your thoughts twice? You ordered your thoughts this way and you did that. But once you got out here on, this, on these waves, you arranged your thoughts again and that's why you fell through. The word distazo also means waver, which we get a derivative of the word is to wave. That you move backwards and forwards to think one way from, from moving from, uncert, from certainty to uncertainty, back and forth. What I see in this moment is that Peter lost his, fo his focus because he allowed his environment to dictate his thinking. Are you allowing your situation to dictate your thinking? Is your reality... What you know the Word says it to be, because let me just tell you something. We don't interpret Scripture through our experiences. We interpret our experiences through Scripture. And so even if we're walking on the wave and in our mind says this is not logical, can I tell you it is logical because if His Word says come, then everything has to move. Let there be light. Let the land move. Let them make uh, men in our own likenesses. All those things that did not exist now have to exist. Why? Because at thy word, Lord, at thy word. And so he lost focus. He lost faith. Peter lost focus. What I want to know this morning is what have you lost? What things, in fact, have your focus can I ask you a few questions this morning? Does another paycheck have your focus? You're looking for faith, right? You're looking for something to, to take you a little further out, to get you along the way, something you can trust in, something that makes you feel good and makes you feel confident. Does another paycheck have your focus? Does another promotion have your focus? Does another career move have your focus? Does another title have your focus? Another one of man's job well done, does it have your focus? Does another relationship have your focus? 
There's another excuse to get out of the house, have your focus. Another reason not to forgive, does it have your focus? There's another divorce, have your focus. Another reason to prove you are right, have your focus. Another reason to talk bad about somebody else, have your focus. Does another health treatment have your focus? Does another major purchase have your focus? Does another weekend away from church have your focus? Does another activity for your kids have your focus? Does another vicarious moment of living through your kids have your focus? Does another episode on Netflix have your focus? Does another five minutes of scrolling on your phone have your focus? Does another screen have your focus? Does another reason to watch church through live stream have your focus? Does another church have your focus? Does another idol have your focus? What has your focus? Because whatever has your focus has your faith. Don't get distracted, church, by the things that compete with your faith. Not everything I listed on this list are bad things, but what I'm asking is, do those things have your focus? They have your attention. Do you run to them to justify not doing the hard things you know the Lord has asked us to do? Because he's asked us to do those hard things because he wants to use your life as a platform to demonstrate to you and to the world around you that he is who he says he is. And I don't want him to pass me by and say, Scott, you were too weak. You were too selfish. You were too small in your faith. I had to find somebody else that was less significant than you to demonstrate my power. And as the worship team comes back, last but not least, Peter shifts his focus to the saving by Jesus. In verse 30, Peter says, Lord, save me. Now, I can tell you, as I was reading this story, it was very um, reminiscent. Uh, we were at the ocean uh, this last week, and I was just going back to my mind that time when I almost drowned out there in the ocean. And I remember, I remember so clearly um, as I had swam as hard as I could and, and did everything I possibly could to, to go against what I did not know at the time was a rip current. And, and I got tired. I just got tired. And I was a good swimmer, strong swimmer. But that, that didn't make a difference. Because when you begin to swim for so long, against the current of life, against the current of the situations that continue to pile up, whether it's opportunities for the Lord to use to, to bless you or to demonstrate his witness, or it's just the attack of the enemy, we get tired sometimes. And so Peter says, Lord, save me. Reach down, grab me. And it says Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. Peter's focus may have shifted from one point, from the situation to the Savior, but, but now it's, it's um, from the situation, from the Savior to the situation, but now it's moved from the situation to the Savior. Here's what I find interesting in that moment, that for some reason, Peter didn't have enough faith to walk all the way to Jesus, but he had enough faith to call on him. And I don't know if God has called you to do some hard things, to walk some hard paths, but here's what I do know. That there is a major gulf between not having faith and having little faith. 
And through Peter's life, there's a small step from little faith to big faith. And perhaps the reason that you've not truly seen God work in a major way is because you've not yet moved from the little faith to the great faith. It's just a small step. In fact, it's more than just a step. It's a focus issue. It's a focus on him. Because whatever has our focus has our faith. Peter knew where to place his faith. He knew where to place his focus. And if we have enough faith to call on his name, he'll save us. The Lord is not interested in letting us drown. But he is interested in letting us walk over all those things that consume us and desire to have us. I find it interesting that when I see this story, that the very thing that Peter was going through and the disciples were going through, the storm, the fear, all the things that they were experiencing, I find it interesting that that was the very thing that the Lord used as his vehicle to get to them. They were out there on this crazy storm. No one would choose the storm, but the Lord used the storm as his vehicle to get to them. Might I suggest this morning that maybe the problem that you're going through in life right now is there because the Lord is using that as his vehicle to get back into your life. To get to a place that you've not allowed him to come in. But the Lord knows this, is that it's one thing to walk on the waves. But when you slip between the waves, he knows and he hopes and he believes that you'll cry out, Lord, save me. So before you get angry, at the situation, before you get angry at what you feel like the Lord not answering your prayers, your many prayers, it just might be that the Lord is using that situation to demonstrate his greatness in your life, perhaps to you, but I think most importantly through you. So where are you? In the boat? Still thinking about listening to his word? You know what I love about Peter is that even though he failed, maybe after one step, two steps, I don't know, nobody else ever got to say in all of history, I walked on the water with Jesus. Even if you fail, even if you stumble, a small amount of obedience may be just enough of what he needs that he put your failure in the book for all the world to know that it's possible even though you didn't finish it all the way out. Would you stand with me this morning? He says, oh, you a little focus, what has made you distracted? Oh, you a little faith, why did you doubt? There's three things I want to tackle this morning in, in response. When I read in the scripture, here's what I see. Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, what made you doubt? And I searched all of the Gospels and the harmonies to make sure that I didn't leave out that story. And here's what I did not see. I did not see Peter reply to the Lord's question. And I believe that question is not there just for Peter, but that question is there for you and I today. Oh, you of little faith, what made you doubt? 
Peter didn't answer the Lord. And I'm wondering, is this, will you do the same? Will you just step back and say, you know what, I can't answer that right now. Every head bow, every eye close. I want to know if you would say, Lord, save me. I've been kicking, I've been swimming, I've been treading, and I'm about out of breath, and I can't keep my head above this water anymore, but I do have enough breath for one last thing to say, and that's, Lord, save me. Is there anybody in here this morning who would raise their hand and say, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Maybe today, what you lack is the faith. Because really, you just lack the focus. You've been distracted. And you would say, Lord, I need the faith to walk through the difficultness of your word. I want to be used. This is a hard thing in my life. It's a difficult situation in my life. But I know that if you'll use me, I can make it through. If you would say this morning... Pastor Scott, I need to tell the Lord, I need more faith. I need more faith. It's difficult, but I need more faith. I'm going to pray. I'm going to open the altars up. It's 1121. You've got nine minutes to say yes to Jesus. God in heaven, I just want to stop and say we count it a privilege, Lord, to be called to difficult things. Lord, your word says that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Because, Lord, that's what you did. You fixed your eyes on something greater than the situation around you, something greater than the cross. Lord, you fixed your eyes on your Father, and you endured the cross, and you scorned shame because you knew that one day you'd be at the right hand of the Father, and that doing so would also make us with you, inheriting the throne. I pray, God, this morning, Lord, give us the strength, Lord, to walk through difficult stuff. Give us the strength, Lord, to endure the difficultness of this world that your name and that your power might be witnessed through our life. And I pray, God, this morning for those who need you to save them. Would you respond, Lord, right now like you faithfully always do and allow them, God, to know your word, to know your peace, to know your power. Most importantly, God, take away the shame Take away the sin. Take away the guilt. We ask it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to open the altars up. If you have a prayer request or prayer need, I'd love to pray with you. But this is a time where we respond where Peter didn't. Would you join me?